Good evening and welcome to the Greg Thompson Sports Show. You are joining us here in this fine Friday evening with some lovely gentlemen here along with me and another guest coming soon. And tonight we are going to be doing the what if draft, the all the different pivotal moments and instances and and flashpoints in the history of football that, that we think are interesting to talk about of what could have happened and what what could have been and uh with to have that discussion i needed to bring in some some very sharp uh people who could have this kind of discussion and and for that purpose i couldn't get those guys so instead right. i yeah. got i brought in our facade <laughs> of pro football network bruce nolan of the bruce exclusive on the buffalo rumblings network and soon joining us mr alf ortega uh Arif, how we doing sir I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Not too bad. It's a fun Friday night. I've got Victor Wembanyama's debut ready to to happen uh, right. on, on my screen here. I'm uh, excited to talk about something I've actually had in my mind for quite a while. Like this show was one of the first shows I thought of when it kind of branched off outside of just uh, my Bills analysis show with Aaron. So uh, this is one that I've had in the back of my mind for a long time. So I'm kind of excited about that. Bruce, how's your Friday night? I'm happy to be your silver medal. I think that's the main category that we should be talking about here is that I am happy to be your silver medal. Um, being the runner up still counts. I get on the podium, you know, uh, you've heard the Jerry Seinfeld bit about silver medals, Greg. I don't, uh, says, not that's ringing off the top of my head. He says, I, I think I'd rather come in last than get the silver. He says, cause if you win the gold, you're obviously excited. You know, with Browns, you think, well, at least I won something, but you know, in silver, it's like, congratulations. You almost won. <laughs> out of all the losers you came in first of that group <laughs> nobody lost ahead of you and so it's that's that's kind of how i'm feeling right now i feel a little silver medal and I, i'm trying to decide how i how i'm really gonna gonna move about this moving forward i'm trying to inject some bitterness maybe into my draft picks moving forward I, uh, that I respect fully. That, that I respect fully. Uh, so Alf let us know he's on his way. He's going to be joining us here in a moment. So before we we jump in and and be able to, to start the draft, we'll talk a little bit about what this was. And we actually had a fair amount of fun just kind of going back and forth of like, okay, what is this? <laughs> what actually are we, <laughs> we doing here? At, at first, uh, Arf proposed that maybe we pick, uh, we draft a team of like what if this guy stayed healthy and had it which actually wasn't a bad idea it's, i i hesitated for a moment like well that's not what i thought of but that's pretty good uh we talked about other sports we said well let, let's kind of keep it focused on football and then we tried to leave it relatively open of just things that we thought would be interesting discussion points things that would you know kind of charge people up and and be able to go through i'm, I'm going to warn you know bills fans you know, that there were no rules about what teams were brought up here what uh what instances you were allowed right, there's some what ifs from. in bills history i, I can't no, no. <laughs> there, no singular moments that that people you know think back to on a random tuesday night in july for no reason of like oh god i can't believe yeah no none of those none of those. Oh, yeah all right yeah which, you know, and I know, uh, you know, fan is, is a relative term, but, uh, you know, I know you spend a lot of time covering the Minnesota Vikings and a lot of time around those fans who certainly have several of those moments themselves in, in their history as well. Uh, yeah, a couple. Yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. there. You know, the heck, the, even a couple to go the other direction. You know, the I'm sure the Saints are asking about the Minnesota uh, miracle and what, what if the oh, right, you know, yeah. you know, Marcus Williams doesn't completely whiff on, on that tackle of Stephon Diggs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what if Case Keenum was a good quarterback? I don't think any of that happens if that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
So, you know, a few fun things there. Um, so as we're going to go through, we'll kind of explain it. And I, I see Elf popped in for a moment. Hopefully he's back here in a second. Um, I do want to give a quick shout out. Uh, my, our guy, Chris Janke, for anybody who doesn't follow him, awesome follow on Twitter, uh, sent me a fantastic draft board of his own uh, of suggestions that I did use as, as, as part of uh, my research there. So huge shout out to Chris. He, uh, did, he came up with 25 different suggestions. So some really, really, really good ones. So I'll rattle off some of those in the honorable mention as we get going later on. Um, but we're going to go through in a fantasy football draft style. I'll keep a draft board as we go through and show each of the selections and each of the picks of, of what's uh, of what's there. And then try to work our way through, you know, presenting what the what if draft selection is a little bit about why we selected it and where, you know, what the, the, you know, butterfly effect moment would lead to why we picked it and think it's interesting to be able to go through and then open it up a little bit to the room to be able to, you know, talk about, Oh, you know, Oh, that's a terrible idea. I can't believe you selected that (laughs) or uh, just a little peanut gallery uh, reaction to everything there. And our final drafter has joined us. Alf, how are we doing, sir? Doing great. Uh, I picked the worst time to run in like 10 minutes before a show and find out my battery's dead. My mic cable is essentially done and I got to get a new one and I had to find one in the closet somewhere and essentially just build a brand new setup from a laptop and a USB mic. Well, I got to say, you sound pretty good. For, so for scrambling at the last minute to rebuild a studio, mm-hmm. you, you came off pretty well. It actually sounds pretty good. So kudos to you. All right, thank you. Yeah. Well, and uh, you know, for anyone who hasn't checked it out, Alf is a great follow on Twitter, one of the most fun guys. Myself, Drew Gear, lots of other folks in in Bill's uh Twitter like to go back and forth with. Obviously, a, a rabid uh Phil's uh Finns analyst himself, uh in the 3 yards per carry podcast, the 5 reasons sports network, and I got to say fantastic naming only fins is is so funny <laughs> it's, it's, it's so, so well good. done only fins is, is really that's really so good. good kudos that, that is really well done yeah that's uh that's our discord arm which we started a year ago we got two thousand members so nice so it's doing pretty well and it should pick up the, during this season it's an alternative to twitter let's just say that so we're competing with elon musk i i like it I like it and same yeah, we yeah. obviously offer people to join our slack channel for cover one in the same way so certainly appreciate the efforts there and and everything that goes into it but without further ado let's jump right in we were just explaining to the folks listening what we're going into tonight obviously all of us have done our prep for it um and we decided that tonight would have a alphabetical order in the uh draft order so our man alf is going to lead us off i'm going to open it up here Alf, you're on the board. You can lead us off with your first draft selection. What is your first what if that speaks to you that could have changed the course of history? Okay, I tried to find some what ifs that had nothing to do with the Miami Dolphins. It was pretty hard. Uh, (laughs) I ended up with like 12 on my board and like 10 of them have something to do with the Miami Dolphins. This first one. I respect it. This first one, I had two that I I was mulling it over. Okay, uh, last night, I was mulling it over between two. I'm not going to tell you what my second one is because I'm going to reserve that one for the second round. I'm going to hope it makes it to me. But I decided on this one, okay, and I signed it to a five-year deal. Big deal, okay, first overall pick. It's the 1983 NFL Draft. And I'll explain 
and I'll explain to you what happened on that draft. Uh, Marvin Demoff explains it on in the documentary Elway to Marino. There's one thing in particular that happened in that draft, which was uh, the insanity of their owner, Ursay, and the lucidness of Ernie Ocorsi, who was trying to make a good deal. He couldn't get a good deal for the first overall pick until Marvin Demoff engineered a trade that would have sent the first overall pick to the Dallas Cowboys. And All had right. he done that, had he done that, John Elway would have gone into the NFC for a 10-year stretch to start his career against an absolutely stacked NFC that had the Washington Redskins at the time, the New York mm-hmm. Giants, the San Francisco 49ers, the Chicago Bears. Uh, who's to say that his career goes a little bit differently? Mm-hmm. Ernie Corsi also goes on to say that had he done that deal, he would have used pick 23 on Dan Marino because he had him number two on his board. And Marino means, would have been available. Yeah. Which means that the entire course of Denver Broncos history, the entire course of Miami Dolphins history, the entire course of Dallas Cowboys history, and the entire course of Baltimore Colts history, and then later Indianapolis Colts history, would have changed. And not only would it have changed, but think about this. Dan Marino's career would have stretched into Peyton Manning's availability. So Mm -hmm. the Colts might have been even better than they could have been at that time, and they would have not been drafting first overall. And it would have changed a fifth franchise, and there would have not been no Peyton Manning in Indianapolis. There would have been an aging Dan Marino in Indianapolis. And who knows, maybe there would have been Peyton Manning in Miami because maybe Miami would have been terrible. At that time. (laughs) So we're talking about one draft, one decision, uh, one crazy owner that put the kibosh on the only legitimate trade offer that they received. If if you remember what happened and if you watched the documentary, they ended up trading him to the Broncos for Chris Hinton and two first round picks, which was which was a worse deal than what the only two first round picks. That's what the Cowboys had offered. The Cowboys had offered three first round picks, Randy White, and I believe two other players. So they offered a little bit better. So if if their owner wasn't crazy, if their owner wasn't crazy and they take the best deal that was on the table, it would have changed the fortunes of the NFL for the next 40 years. That's amazing. Awesome start. Awesome start. So I, uh, I, I did, I did uh, have something involving the 83 draft on my board. And so just to add to kind of the weird ripple effect that this would have had, um, it, the, the, so like you mentioned, right, the, the Colts would, would not have Jim Harbaugh at quarterback, so they would not have been able to, uh, they would not have been able to draft Peyton Manning. Um, so they might have ended up with, um, you know, or, or we might have ended up in a situation where uh, the 2004 draft and the 2001 drafts are different, right? So Michael Vick goes somewhere else, right? Or he could end up becoming a Colt right after Dan Marino retires, right? Um, you could have Peyton Manning become a San Diego Charger, right? Because they were going to be picking second. Maybe they pick first in this scenario. That means that Drew Brees probably becomes a Cleveland Brown, right? Mm-hmm. And then Eli Manning and Philip Rivers end up somewhere else in 2004, right? Yes. <laughs> and the Broncos might have ended up drafting uh, Todd Blackledge, right? Like that's like, there's just... And, and here's a better one. Here's a better one. They trade for Elway. Who's to say they don't fire Tom Landry? Jimmy Johnson never becomes the Cowboys head coach. 
Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Which which means, of course, that the ripple effect that affects the Minnesota Vikings, you know, might be that they never sign Herschel Walker coming out of the USFL or they never need to trade Herschel Walker. Right. Like so there's a whole because that's a Jimmy Johnson like, you know, um, so that there's a whole, you know, ripple effect out of there. Uh, I'm going to go with one. Everyone's favorite. What if I think is Bo Jackson? Mm. Um, I'm going to go a slightly different track. It's not that Bo Jackson doesn't get injured. I, I, if we can avoid the what if they didn't get injured, I kind of want to see if there's other ways to game it. And in this case, it's that the Buccaneers honor Bo Jackson's wish to not draft him. They draft him, uh, in, or the, the Atlanta Falcons at number two end up drafting him, um, or whoever, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and Bo Jackson ends up having a football-only career, right? Because he goes to baseball as a result. Oh, of, yeah, of almost as out. a taunt that people didn't yes. believe would happen. Yeah, so he has a football-only career. He starts basically every game for, I don't know if it's the Falcons or somebody else, right? Uh, and uh, and here's the thing. So Bo Jackson was splitting carries of the Hall of Famer, right? Marcus Allen. In the games that he actually played, he still averaged 82 and a half yards from scrimmage per game, splitting carries with the Hall of Famer. Uh, so that's about 1,300 yards a season. That's on 14 and a half touches per game. 14 and a half touches per game, he's getting 83 yards, right? So at 20 touches a game. Right, which is a which is a modern running back workload. But if you know, but at twenty touches a game, let's say he still doesn't get a ton, that's about eighteen hundred yards from scrimmage per season. Like which, that's and you you could you can raise him up to twenty five, right? That's just what running backs were like, you know, back then. And uh, and you know, the butterfly effect of all of these circumstances, of course, is that he probably doesn't get injured in the same way if he gets injured at all. He's not splitting his time between multiple sports, which I imagine might contribute to the development of stabilizing muscles or whatever that impact the types of injuries that you receive. So um, I think all of that happens if we game it out so that he gets drafted at number two to the Falcons. The Falcons are never bad enough to draft Deion Sanders, right? It's another multi-sport athlete impacted by the whole thing, right? Um, They end up in a situation where, and they, they could have used a running back, right? So it would have been uh, totally different. But they end up in a situation where, where they might be able to compete just on the strength of Bo Jackson alone. Marcus Allen probably, you know, never works the thing out with Al Davis. And so the Raiders just don't have marquee players for a long time. So um, that would have been funny. Having a, having a Bo Jackson getting 1,800 to 2,000 yards from scrimmage every season for like the next 10 seasons, I think would have altered NFL history in a pretty substantial way. I, I love that one. And obviously had you know, versions of a bow selection on my board. So I really like that approach. And I was going the same way and that, you know, there's, you had Houston was picking there. Indy was right afterwards. Yeah. I was curious, is there someone else in the moment? If you had have just had a different element, I, I don't know. You know. I think the Tampa ownership didn't like the way Elway kind of manipulated the top there and didn't want to be forced to, to trade him. Cause he was so, such a special you know, generational talent. So mm-hmm. if they had of like, if somebody else had to trade it up, how many different scenarios are there? So the Atlanta one's super interesting in the domino effect of even impact and Dion. I like that one. Bruce, where do you take us next with our what if draft? I wanted to pick the thing that I believed would have the most significant impact to the game of football as we know it. And so Obviously, I picked what if Scott Norwood made the kick. No, I'm just kidding. That's not what I did. (laughs) But I was serious in the sense that I wanted to find the biggest possible impact, the most significant ripple effect possible. And I was really, really hoping when I found out I was picked number three, I said, I swear, if Alpha Arif take this from me, 
What if Joe Namath didn't sign with the AFL? Because he didn't have to. He was drafted by the NFL and the AFL. Right. Yeah. And the reason why this matters is because the first two NFL AFL championship games were extremely lopsided. At this time, there was a significant amount of bad blood between the NFL and the AFL. And the NFL absolutely obliterated the AFL in the first and second championship games 35 to 10, 35 to 10. Oh, I'm familiar. Yeah, no, I it know. Was, <laughs> uh, it was brutal, right? There was a question as to whether or not this was even going to continue because the dominance was so significant. If Joe Namath doesn't sign with the AFL and then help the New York Jets win. Are you saying, is there a merger in a situation where Joe Namath? (laughs) I'm saying, I don't know if there's a merger. I'm saying, I don't know if the league even exists the way it exists today. If Joe Namath and the upstart New York Jets don't pull off arguably one of the greatest upsets in the history of football and beat the Baltimore Colts in the third NFL AFL championship game. I don't think half the league even exists if that's the case. Not only I mean, that, it wasn't just the fact that they won. It was the guarantee. It was the style points. It was the pulling people in. The AFL ended up winning the next one, and then all of a sudden now there's AFCs and NFCs. But the I don't even know if the merger occurs because it was a completely one-sided, 100% lopsided for the first two years. And if it goes on for another year, they might just call the thing off. I mean, they just might just mercy rule this thing and go, you know what? The NFL is just beating the tar out of the AFL. It's clearly like NFL in college. We're not even going to do this. So um, win. Go ahead. So I, so this one's pretty interesting. I will say that they agreed to a merger before they did Super Bowl four, right before the chiefs beat the Vikings in Super Bowl four. So it is important to point out that it wasn't necessarily just the, the, the fact that they were competitive in Super Bowl three was extraordinarily, but there's no question about that. Right. Um, I think probably you end up delaying the merger, but here's the thing that matters more. I think you get free agency sooner, right? Because the whole deal here, part of the merger is that it, it reduces the ability of players to assert they're willing because the reason the AFL is signing all these guys is because they get better salaries. Same thing with the USFL, right? Uh, and so uh, I, I think at the ability to kind of assert your uh, bargaining power as a player comes because of this alternate league. If this alternate league doesn't have as much of a pull, right? If some of these big players like Joe Namath never sign over at the AFL, Bobby Bell never sign over at the AFL, um, then you end up in a situation where the NFL, just by its by its dominance as a as a as as the sport, right, um, suppress player salaries to the point where you know uh, the AFL has to increase salaries even more to get people over, and I think that might get you to free agency just a little bit sooner, right? Because I mean, Joe Namath was offered tons of money, uh, relatively speaking, for football players. Um, he's the first overall pick from Alabama. He was the greatest quarterback in college, right? Um, yeah. Are you that, talking for anyone who's not familiar with the teams that are impacted here? You're talking the entire AFC East. So the Patriots, the Bills, the Jets, the Dolphins, the entire AFC West, the Chiefs, the Broncos, the Chargers, the Raiders, plus the Bengals, plus the Oilers, uh, all impacted in that. If that merger doesn't come through, all those. 
you know, now thinking thought, thought of as original historic franchises, yeah. maybe that doesn't come to fruition. Yeah, most of the AFC, which interestingly, the exception of like the Colts, right? Yeah, uh, yeah come from, uh, come from. I think there's like a couple of other teams migrated over from the NFL to the AFC, but like come from that. So uh, that is that is super fascinating. So I that's like what I wanted to do because yeah. I thought it had the most wide ranging impact, and it yeah, went the farthest big. back. That one. So I wanted. To, I mean, initially I was going to go like something crazy, like, okay, what if football's not invented? Like, I, like, <laughs> I was like, no, I'm just a little, that's a little bit off the beaten what path. If, Let's. Yeah. What if the well, Kent Bulldogs had to work a different shift that day? <laughs> I I did think about going even further back. I do have one, which I don't think I'm even going to draft. It's kind of silly, um, but if we go to the honorable mentions, I'll bring it up. That goes even further yes. back than this one. I like it. I like it. All right, Greg, you're up. Okay. Off to a fantastic start. I really, really like it. Um, I'm going to go a little more micro. I'm going to go, what if the city of Cleveland simply builds Art Modella Stadium? Like, what if they simply build him the stadium? Now, he gets that agreement. Does that mean there's more stability at the time and that you're talking about keeping Bill Belichick and his staff together? Are you now talking about who should have been the you know mastermind leader of his own franchise Ozzie Newsom is he staying as the GM and in his stepping into that role is his first draft as GM of the Browns Jonathan Ogden and Ray Lewis are you talking about that style of football that we saw in Baltimore as you know guys like Jamal Lewis guys like you know Ray Lewis and all those linebackers that would have been just beloved in that style of football there in Cleveland um not having you know, obviously the 30 for 30 does an awesome job talking about that. Just no one took him seriously that, well, you can't possibly take the Browns out of Cleveland. You, you know, we will worry about you later. If they just took him a little bit more seriously and <laughs> built the man a stadium or helped him build a stadium there, all of those different combinations where things can lead to for Belichick, the guys on his staff, you know, does that ripple effect change and what ended up happening in Baltimore and how that would have been received in Cleveland I think could have been a significant impact in where we see the NFL go. I like yeah, that and, one a lot. And I would agree. It also changes the trajectory of another pro sports franchise, the Cleveland Indians, yeah. because they use the pretty, pretty much the same threats to get Jacob field built. And if and that doesn't happen, sold out all those stadiums, that's where they got their money from to do all mm -hmm. those things. Do they move somewhere else? I think they move absolutely because they, they had a decrepit stadium where they used to play. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it would also uh, mean that uh, Baltimore gets one of the expansion franchises instead of mm -hmm. like um, mm -hmm. Carolina, Jacksonville, or Houston, um, which uh, that that would be fascinating. So I wrote down, so obviously I can't draft it now, but the, if the Browns slash Ravens never fired Bill Belichick, I think technically they were the Baltimore football team when they fired Bill Belichick was technically not the Browns as Browns fans sometimes remind me. Uh, <laughs> but what I wrote down for that was that uh, Ozzie Newsom never becomes the GM, but he was the executive vice president. So yeah, like I know he had still, a role there and yeah, they might've still uh, drafted like Jonathan Ogden and Ray Lewis, but they would not have drafted uh, Terrell Suggs, Ed Reed, Marshall Yonda, Joe Flacco, etc., because he was the GM when, when, uh, when, uh, they were drafted and um, and he would not have been on the staff. He probably would have got taken a GM job somewhere. Right. And so, um, you know, 
you you'd never get the Brian Billick Ravens. Uh, you mm. probably still have some rings because it is Belichick after all, but it's just a different trajectory. And here's the thing that I find interesting. Um, so because I had it as the Ravens, um, but in this case, it'd be the Browns. The Browns draft Tom Brady in 2000 instead of drafting Chris Redmond in 2000 oh. in the third round. Yeah. Oh. So their, their quarterback would have been Trent Dilfer, but it wouldn't have been surprising if Trent Dilfer gets replaced by Tom Brady. I don't think any one of us here would be surprised by that. This also would prevent... Uh, so it prevents the Brian Billick Ravens. It also prevents Marvin Lewis, Rex Ryan, Jack Del Rio, and Mike Smith from developing coaching careers, at least in the way that they did. Because they were all on that Brian Billick staff. Huge one. Huge one. I like it. I like it. Uh, so you you hinted at one already. I'm not going to let it linger out there anymore. What if Mo Lewis doesn't light up Drew Bledsoe? Yeah, go on it, Greg. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, all the different possibilities there. There was so much talent and ability around that team. Obviously, you know, not that a uh, Bills fan would ever, you know, c- contest that Tom Brady was a, a system quarterback, but there was a period of time in my life where, where I may have made such statements. Um, he made because, the Pro Bowl that year. What are you talking? Because of everything around him, everything that was there, do we see – would Bledsoe simply have been able to continue? Would he have been just too good to move on from? Would it have been enough of what they obviously saw in practice, what was there? Would it have been more of a Jimmy G situation that we saw later on where, hey, we know there's something there, but look, this guy, we just won a Super Bowl with Bledsoe. We just went through these different things. Maybe we trade Tom Brady somewhere else to a needy That's, qu- yes. quarterback needy franchise in that moment. Uh, RFI, since I know this one was on everybody's board and some – variety rf where, where did you take this one yeah so i had it as i was wondering do i want to do it the mo lewis route or do i want to do it the tuck rule route and i gamed oh, okay. it out is if the if the tuck rule had never been written in so drew bledsoe still gets hurt tom brady does not lead a comeback against the oakland raiders um and so he goes to the pro bowl that year but he, like you mentioned he was just all right passed for 18 touchdowns 189 passing yards a game ranked 12th in adjusted net yards per attempt, which is very impressive for a second-year sixth-round quarterback. Like, don't get me wrong. That's very impressive. But Drew Bledsoe is a perennial pro bowler, right? No way that they trade him. No way has Tom Brady done enough. I mean, he did go like 11-3, and like I'm not saying. But like everyone kind of knows the game at that point that Drew Bledsoe would have been much better for them. And I think they trade Tom Brady. And I think Tom Brady is a Buffalo Bill. Oh, 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 you, you, you bastard. I did not feel that one coming, but I felt it in my chest. I am taking time out of my Friday evening to be here. I could be doing something meaningful with my night. My heart. But instead, I'm listening to blasphemy here. I was not ready for that. Pretty similar color scheme, right? I don't see the issue. A little bit oh, less Jesus. sober, but you know. So you guys are saying that JP Lossman doesn't take his job. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. All right. <laughs> all right. I like it. I like it. Uh, Bruce, your second pick is up on the board. Where are you going? I wanted to change the NFL with my first pick. And now I'm going to change college football with my Ooh. second pick. What if the Miami Dolphins signed off on Drew Brees? Nick Saban. That's your, right? that's your, that's the Miami Dolphins talk. decide, you know it. what? I'm cool with his shoulder. I'm fine. The, the Dolphins doctor says his right. shoulder's okay. Nick Saban oh. 
ends up being paired with a future Hall of Fame quarterback, does not go back to Alabama. Alabama does not have the dynasty that they've had in college football. Sean Payton is not the guy in New Orleans that he was. The AFC East all of a sudden becomes a very, very different scenario. Maybe Tom Brady doesn't win as many Super Bowls hmm. because he doesn't walk because his way. Because he's in a division with, with Drew Brees. With Drew Brees, right? <laughs> it changes everything. It changes the college football landscape forever. It changes our opinion of the player who is widely considered to be the greatest quarterback of all time. It changes fundamental pillars of the way we talk about football on two different levels in two different leagues. All it has to happen is for one guy in a white coat working for Miami to go, you know what? I think it's okay. That's it. (laughs) That's all that's necessary. Just one. There is a guy out there who knows that he could have quantum leaped this and changed the future forever. If he just would have gone, it doesn't look that bad. We can make that happen. Just a small amount of medical malpractice and we would have made this happen. And as uh, I would say, I'll give the floor to Elf. Yeah. yeah, and as an expert on on this particular what if, um, <laughs> as I understand it, at the time the doctors actually told Nick Saban because Nick Saban has told this story many ways, and he's massaged the facts a little bit. No. Oh, interesting! You wouldn't expect that if Nick Saban. The yeah, I wouldn't expect. Yeah, Nick Saban no, has never told never. a lie. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Uh, the doctors presented Nick Saban with a choice. One guy has a bucky shoulder. The other guy has a bucky knee. You decide. They traded a second-round pick for the 6'5", 250-pound quarterback that threw 47 touchdowns the year before. Okay? And I can I can assure you uh, most people were happy with that. Yeah. Culpepper to Moss was the most fun. Like, at that, that age, you know, I'm coming out of college. That was unbelievable to watch so i was not happy it was all when, right I, just, when, I, don't know. <laughs> I was not happy when the dolphins traded for dante culpepper yeah and i must say that um god this professor those, Troy, oh man for those that say oh drew Brees would have needed sean payton i think that this one actually reaches into a couple of franchises because obviously you're hurting the new the the new orleans saints here okay if drew Brees becomes a, a dolphin but you know who this elevates? Scott Linehan. Because Scott Linehan was the offensive coordinator that made Gus Farratt somehow competent and had the Dolphins with a competent offense to go 9-7 and seven the first year with Nick Saban. And he quickly got a job with the Rams. If Drew Brees is there, then Scott Linehan is tied with Drew Brees, and he gets a big job somewhere else down the road. So there is no champagne. That's that's pretty incredible. I'll also add that if Culpepper stays in Minnesota, which I don't think is likely, but, you know, whatever, if Culpepper stays in Minnesota, um, you know, probably that doesn't, you know, his knee is his knee, right? Like, it's just he's not the quarterback he was, fine. But probably you wait a year to trade Moss or you do something else regarding Randy Moss, which means the Vikings don't draft Troy Williamson. Which uh, the 2005 Vikings offseason is crazy. There's so many things that go wrong. Uh, That's like the love boat year. That's like the year that Mike Tice gets caught uh, scalping Super Bowl tickets. Like there's just like 8 million things. And 
like new ownership. Yeah, but like the the goal here is to not draft Troy Williamson is what I'm getting. <laughs> so uh, that that is interesting. Uh, but you know maybe Dante Culpepper ends up a saint. Who knows? I like it. I like it. Our Arf, we're we're back to you. Where does this board take you? Oh man. Um, so the ones that, that I have, I just don't think, um, people are going to draft. So I'm just not going to think about it in terms of draft value. I'm just going to pick the ones that I am moved to talk about. Um, Bob Sanders, Bob Sanders has a healthy career. So not a ton of people are super familiar with Bob Sanders, but he is one of the greatest safeties to ever play. And he's only played two seasons with more than 10 games under his belt. Mm. And this is what I wrote down. So he played only two relatively complete seasons in the NFL. In those two seasons, he earned AP first team all pro consideration, uh, both of those seasons, and won defensive player of the year one of those seasons. He was in the league at the same time as prime Ed Reed, Brian Dawkins, Troy Polamalu, Darren Sharper, and Sean Taylor. And he was still earning first team all pros. In those two seasons, the Colts ranked second and first in points allowed. In the five seasons surrounding those two, they ranked 20th, 19th, 23rd, 7th, and 8th. He missed much of the 2006 regular season, where they ranked 23rd in points allowed, but was present for the playoffs. That team gave up 22.5 points per game during the regular season and only 17.5 points per game in the playoffs, including two games where they allowed fewer than 10 points. In the Super Bowl, seven of the 17 points they allowed were from Devin Hester on special teams. He was astounding. In this scenario, I think if he plays 10 healthy seasons, Peyton wins multiple Super Bowls. Some of the Super Bowl appearances that the Colts have come at the cost of the Patriots, right? Mm. Um, And so you end up in a scenario where, yeah, Tom Brady probably still has at least three, four rings. Like, I'm not going to take all of them away or anything like that, especially the ones that come before 2006. But um you probably end up in a scenario where you're ring counting Peyton and Tom Brady, and it's close enough for you to say, I don't know. Mm. So a proud Erie Cathedral prep alum. Uh, I actually went to college with uh, a a guy who's probably uh, listening uh, right now, but uh, that had played with him uh, in both basketball and football there. And was like acquaintances, not like friends, like good friends or anything, but knew him and played with him uh, through that time. And because of that, we had kind of a fun side, you know, rooting interest and watch those. And I remember um, during that, I think the 07 season in that Super Bowl season as they're going through, they kept showing the graphic because he was great in 05, missed I don't know how many in 06, uh, you know, 12 games in 06. And then in uh, 07, they kept showing the graphic of like Colts record with Bob Sanders, Colts record without Bob Sanders, Colts defensive stats with Bob Sanders, Colts defensive stats it's without Bob wild. Sanders. And it was crazy. It's nuts. How and it's like wide the gap was. Yeah. And it's like, you know, they they had like, uh, I forget who it was at middle linebacker that was like so good, um, like Quincy, something like that. Um, but, you know, they had like, you know, Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis. Like they knew how to rush the pass. They had some really good players. But Bob Sanders, who, again, in a league full of insanely hard hitting safety. Yeah. Gary Brackett. Right? Gary Brackett was, was yeah. there at the time. Uh, in a league full of just incredibly hard-hitting safeties, Bob Sanders might have hit harder than like Brian Dawkins and Troy Polamalu, right? Like that, he was nuts. He he was so fun. Which like, at five eight issue, but... five eight two oh six, 
yeah. five eight two oh six of just lightning. Yeah, he was he was killing people. He was he was <laughs> such a delight to watch. Like you you talk about like how individual defensive players in the modern NFL don't usually have an enormous impact, right? I mean, like look how good the Rams defense was even with Aaron Donald. But like, boy. <laughs> you, you like you could you could tell what Bob Sanders is doing. He he would go straight to the Hall of Fame easily. Ten healthy mm-hmm. seasons. Yeah. So shout out to Mike Malloy uh, if he's listening. Uh, Mike Mike was the guy who who played with him there. All right, Alf, we're back to you. You've got two in a row. Uh, we've gone through some pretty good ones here. What do you got on your mind? All right, my next one is going to make jury duty sound exciting. Okay, <laughs> it's July 29th, nineteen eighty six. And six random people are presented with the case, USL, USFL versus the NFL, Ooh. and they are awarding damages. In the end, uh, you know the story, uh, the $1 check, all of that stuff. It was actually $3.76. It got trebled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. Okay. But the USFL actually did win the case. And mm-hmm. in winning the case, they did receive $5.5 million in attorney's fees they got $62,000 in court costs, but they got $3.76 in damages. Because they got those damages and they were not awarded over $169 million to $321 million in damages, the league had the fold. If those six people in that jury room decide to give the full award to the USFL, this is what happens. It's 1986. They play that season. 1987, the NFL has a strike year. All their star players are available on the open market. Oh, my God. The USFL picks up all these players. Then before the 1987 season, because they'll, they'll play in the fall in 1986, okay? They'll play the 1987 season in the fall, and the NFL and the USFL has to sit in a room and decide. And they merge. And Donald Trump never becomes president. Exactly. <laughs> so, but how about if they're in position uh, for one of our selections earlier? Um, Bo Jackson now has leverage. If they're still ready in 1986 yeah. and the Buccaneers try to make that threat and he has Donald Trump's check hanging there to be like, well, I'll just go be the highest paid player. It, why did Herschel Walker go there? Why did Jim Kelly go there? Why does right, Steve yeah, Young yeah. go there? All of a sudden, Bo Jackson has leverage. The Buccaneers can't make that claim with the first pick. And and if you've seen the USFL uh, documentary on 30 for 30, Donald Trump Small is potatoes. interviewed on that. An incredible yeah, and, documentary. And he's asked what was the end game, and he, quite frankly, said, no, the end game was that four teams would have been uh, inserted into the NFL as a settlement. Yeah. Okay, and one of those teams would have been the New Jersey Generals. Yep. Uh, Dan Marino was going to be a free agent, and Ooh. the top, the guy that he was going to go for was Dan Marino to pair him with Herschel Walker. Okay, because wow, remember wow. back then, back then they used to care about running backs. Yeah. <laughs> they don't anymore. So probably, probably the Houston Gamblers. I, I don't know who else would have come along. Yeah, with I was it, thinking it, the Houston that... Gamblers would probably would have been one of the other ones. Yeah. yeah, I believe it was the the Tampa Bay Bandits, the Houston Gamblers, the New Jersey Generals, and. Was it the LA Express, I believe? I think those were going to be the four teams that were going to merge so, into uh, the NFL. So Steve Young which never means... becomes a 49er. Yeah. Of course. And Jim yeah. Kelly never becomes a Bill? Like, like, yes, possibly. Correct. Yeah. And, and there are he no Carolina, and there there is no Carolina Panthers, and there is no Jacksonville Jaguars. 
Oh wow, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh my god. Because yeah. they would have brought that over, there would have been no reason that all and the, there would have been yeah, no Houston no Texans either. There would have yeah. been no yeah. Houston Texans either because yeah, you would have had thirty two wow. teams. You would have had thirty two teams. <laughs> you had thirty teams. <laughs> you would have had thirty two teams twenty years in advance, almost. Oh so, my gosh. So yeah, six people that nobody knows about but are sitting somewhere decided the fate of the National Football League. Do you do you think they like wow. they That's think really about it? One. Do you think they're like we could have stopped Donald Trump from becoming president. Do you think that that's in their brain? <laughs> that's somewhere floating in the back of their minds. Floating. Hey, well, I wonder. Uh, well, uh, there's a flip side to that. Maybe Donald Trump is uh, is commissioner of the NFL right now. Is Roger Goodell? Is <laughs> is right, Roger yeah, Goodell? Yeah, he's right. It, or you know, it's maybe it, yeah. it goes down slightly more of a Vince McMahon path of of things. You know, it's a whole Pandora's box there. With the first right. pick in the NFL draft. <laughs> Really well done, Bruce. Really well done. This really is gonna be a well fabulous. Done. This is gonna be a fabulous first round pick. The most beautiful <laughs> first round pick you've ever seen. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone. Everybody's talking about, talking about it. He's gonna be great for fifteen years. I coached him. <laughs> All right, Elf. Right, really well done. Honestly, this has been really impressive That's so good. far. I am so impressed with what everyone has brought to the table here. We're halfway through. All right, Elf. Start us out with the third round. What do you have next? All right, uh, I debated long and hard which is the one that I would stick in here for the Dolphins. You could say that you could think that my first pick overall has a lot to do with the Dolphins. It's Dan Marino, of course. Even my second one has a lot to do with it because Dan Marino might have been a New Jersey general. Yeah. Okay, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say it right here. Uh, it's the 19, it's the 2005 NFL draft, and it's March, and draft nicks like me, guys that actually got started in media covering the draft had a certain quarterback out of cal number one overall on their board oh, and that was aaron rodgers me. all right all right and that was aaron rodgers mm -hmm. and for whatever reason a drum beat begins sometime in march right before the combine and remember at that time nobody cared about the combine in 2005 and mel kuyper is talking about aaron rodgers and the jeff tedford the Jeff Tech um, quarterbacks, yeah. Okay, we're talking about Kyle Bowler, um, mm -hmm. Joey Harrington, Achilles Smith. It's it was a curse at the time. They're all too robotic. You can't Big discussion yeah. about how high they hold the ball. Yeah, they, and then, how they cock it up by their somehow, ear hole. Yeah, yep. yeah. Then we somehow learn that Aaron Rodgers has old, terrible mechanics. <laughs> He's aloof. He's sarcastic in interviews, which we learned well, right now. I mean, yeah, I was saying, a couple of those things ended up being true. <laughs> a, couple, a couple of those things ended up being true. <laughs> Did they okay. say anything about mushrooms in his draft report? <laughs> no, they didn't say any other thing about that. But he interviews terribly, and we arrive on draft day, and now Aaron Rodgers is no longer, to, in the minds of most draft Knicks, the number one overall quarterback. It's Alex Smith. And the Miami Dolphins, because Alex Smith was a really, really good prospect. And the Miami Dolphins in the second round, because somehow they still cared about running backs back then. Take Ronnie Brown, who was a fine running back, but he's not Aaron Rodgers. Well, 24 other teams could have used Aaron Rodgers after that. So I guess it would have changed the trajectory of many teams if that drumbeat does not start in March from one Mel Kuyper. Oh, I love it. Hey, just a random side note since you mentioned Ronnie Brown. Can you imagine nowadays two running backs from the same NFL backfield going in the top three of an NFL draft? 
No. Bishan Robinson and Roshan Johnson. Yes. Bishan Robinson and Roshan Johnson going two and three. Going second and third. Yeah. 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 And honestly, if it was 2005, they would have. Those two, they would have. Those two might have gone two and three in in that draft. And never forget, and never forget that Ronnie Brown was Nick Saban's first draft pick. So when he he complains about not being able to take Drew Brees, he had. Aaron Rodgers in his lap. <laughs> he had Aaron Rodgers in his lap. So ready to go. I oh, like man. it. RF, back to you. Your third round pick here. What do you got? All right. Um, okay, so that that obscure one that goes further back than the AFL one. I'm just going to use it here because I like it. I like you know, it. Who cares? The Carlisle Indian Industrial School <laughs> does not hire Pop Warner. Oh God. Oh my gosh. This is why this matters. We would not have a passing game if it weren't for Pop Warner. So uh, football was in crisis a couple of years before this, right? Because too many people are dying playing football. Uh, It is designed as it's basically rugby. It's designed as a way to train your Ivy League graduates for war. A thing that kind of doesn't matter because it's not like they'd be on the front lines. But There you go. It's designed as a way of toughening up men, and it is a war activity more than anything else. There is a rule against passing the ball. One year, um, I was in 1902, something like that. One year, 20 Ivy League uh, undergraduates die playing football. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. And Teddy Roosevelt, who loves football, absolutely loves football makes sense wants it to survive brings together uh people from dartmouth harvard and yale the three big football schools as you can imagine right and powerhouses right (laughs) and uh and says we need to do something to fix this Uh, you need to come up with a rule change now a lot of people uh, say that uh, teddy roosevelt suggested the forward pass we don't know if that's true we do know that he didn't tell them to implement the forward pass. But eventually in a, in a, in a meeting a couple of weeks later, they implement the forward pass. They say the forward pass exists now. Almost no one uses it. They throw maybe one, two times a game, but competing against these Ivy leaguers is the Carlisle Indian industrial school. It is a boarding school where, and I'm just going to be honest about my opinions on this one. Uh, I don't think it's controversial a hundred years later to say that they just kidnapped a bunch of uh, indigenous kids and in order to try and like civilize them, right? The whole assimilation thing, yeah, right? Yeah. It's the whole res- it's the whole boarding school thing. And one of the ways that they try to civilize them is to get them to play American sports like football. Now, they are malnourished, right? Um, they do not have the height or the strength or the weight to compete with these teams. So Pop Warner is like, hey, what's this rule? What's this, what's this throwing the ball thing? We're going to do that. And so he invents the play action pass. He invents route running. He invents uh, throwing mechanics because as you can imagine, when you throw once or twice a game, you don't really care about how you do it. It yeah. changes the shape of the football, the way that, uh, you know, uh, yeah, the, gets the, the rugby ball is a little bit like yeah. stout, more stout. Stubby. Yeah. And so they're winning games against teams that outweigh them on average 30, 40 pounds, right? They're throwing the ball. Uh, other te- So sometimes they get screwed out of games just because of racism. The ref is like, that's not a touchdown. Everyone agrees it is. 
Uh, there's a famous game against Princeton where they win by like a point. Um, and remember, mind you, these games are like being won three to zero, right? Like it, it is just a nuts game. Um, and uh, after the game, after they lose by about a point to Princeton, who had like won the national championship the year before, Carlisle Indian School, right? Print, the, the Princeton team walks up to the Carlisle Indian School and is like, you kicked our asses. You destroyed us. You won the game, right? Just incredible stuff. And so they take all of Pop Warner's innovations, route running, throwing mechanics, the play action pass, positions, mm. right? Like you, you don't have a flanker or an end without Pop Warner. And he, and he produces uh, this team that has the ability to win because he takes advantage of the passing game, which also leads to one of the greatest athletes in American history, Jim Thorpe, uh, mm. becoming you know, part of American athletics lore. Uh, because he came through the Carlisle Indian Industrial School. Um, without the passing game, more people would have died. Football would have been banned. Wow. We don't have football if not for Pop Warner. Yeah. I mean, he, he just won, awesome. right? Awesome. Do we just... Uh, it's, it's tough. It's a tough one to beat. I like, <laughs> I like, I just, I like where you took it. You just shut I it like down? It. I mean, <laughs> the, the point of the game is to win. What if Arif hadn't come on today? <laughs> he would have still gone for four rounds. To be fair, to be fair, if it wasn't for Pop Warner, we wouldn't have all these terrible takes on Twitter either about football. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Does, yeah, yeah. My yeah. mental health would be better if it wasn't for Pop Warner. Okay, this so we're running behind good. on time, so I'm going to make mine really, really, really fast. I'm like going to go ahead and make mine fast. What if Donald Trump had bought the Bills? Yeah, yeah. They were so So close. my first pick changed um, pro football forever. My second pick changed a huge part of pro football and college football forever. Now I'm changing the course of the United States forever. Because if Donald Trump buys the Buffalo Bills, he's not running for president. He admitted it himself oh, that yeah. if he would have gotten Buffalo Bills, he wouldn't have run for president. So it changes the course of the United States and the world's history. I don't know how I could pick something with a bigger impact than that. So <laughs> vote for me because <laughs> I changed the entire world with my three picks, even though I objectively lost to the guy who, who just picked something better than me. But that's it. That's it. We're, we're done talking about mine because we're behind. I will cede my time to the people who are smarter and more well-spoken than me. Moving on. I like it. I like it. It's uh, excellent one. I had it on my board. I had it on my board. I like that pick. Um, so I'm going to go. What if the obviously unanimously centered, reserved, well thought of owner of the Indianapolis Colts, Jim Irsay, mm -hmm. decided to hire a different 40 year old career scout in 19 in uh 2012 to be their GM and simply skip straight to Chris Ballard. He and Ryan Grigson had roughly the same resume at this point. He and Ryan Grigson had similar backgrounds, you know, being a scout, working their way up into the personnel department, both of them getting their first opportunity. Grigson's actually three years younger than Ballard, so it's not like he was more experienced. And in that sense, he was a former player, so probably had a little heads up there. But all of a sudden, you now have a competent GM selecting offensive linemen for one Andrew Luck. What if Andrew Luck actually had oh. protection and wasn't 
battered and beleaguered into retirement and now all of a sudden had competency at the GM position. And we now have another, you know, as, as uh, Arv's point on, on Peyton Manning and the Colts were earlier, all of a sudden you now have a second stretch here of someone competing in the AFC to be able to push for potential Super Bowls and what was there and don't have what the Colts now went through with their, you know, rerun through through the mishmash of Philip Rivers and Matt Ryan and whoever else the flavor of the months were with Nick Jacoby Brissett. Everyone else, Jacoby Brissett. Um so that that was where one of mine went was uh what if Jim Mersey simply picked the other 40 year old career scout who is ready to be a GM instead of waiting uh multiple years to the later hire Chris Ballard. All right, I'm going to continue moving uh, I can't, I can't let it keep going. I actually have a couple other ones that I'll do in my rapid fire. Um, but you know, what if Tyler Bass didn't need one more warm up kick? What if he didn't need one more warm up kick and is off about twenty yards off to the side, kicking into the net? When the special teams group comes together, when the call comes down, that hey. There's 13 seconds left. We just want you guys to do a pop-up kick and that everybody gets told that in the huddle and that it's there. And, you know, obviously there's debate on what, you know, who, who said it was, was the, the thing there, but everyone has said now you see it on the replay. The guys turn around and put their arms up confused. Why the ball was goes out of the back of the net or goes out of the back of the back uh, end zone. Tyler Bass didn't get the call that it was supposed to be a pop-up kick down to the three, four, five yard line to let time run off the clock that you don't have it. Uh, you don't have 13 seconds left. You probably have eight or nine seconds left or the fair catch happens at the five and they have to go nine, you know, much farther either way. What certainly looked like a pretty good team there. The Buffalo Bills have a chance to move on and beat the, of all, of all the City Chiefs. kicks you could change in Buffalo Bills history, that's the one you went with? Well, I I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I had quite a few that we can run down here. What if it doesn't go wide right, obviously, <laughs> with, with what was there? And and does Marv Levy retire if they win that Super Bowl? Do they even go back to multiple Super Bowls afterwards? But I had a couple of those saved for, for the final rundown. Sure. All right. We are now back. Bruce, you are back on the board for your final selection. The Chicago Bears have had quarterback issues their entire existence. They, they, they have been known as a franchise who simply cannot get the quarterback position right. Yeah. What if I told you that they were a 50-50 shot away from changing that entire narrative because they lost a 1970 coin toss with the Pittsburgh Steelers for the number one overall pick in which the Steelers selected Terry Bradshaw and went off to have one of the most meaningful dynasties in NFL history. So, okay, I did not know about the coin flip. They Ooh. lost a coin flip. In fact, the running joke after the Bears lost the coin flip was the time McCaskey said to the front office and GM, you guys can't even win a coin flip. Okay, that And the Steelers funny. ended up winning the coin flip. They took the number one overall prospect. Everyone knew. It was one of those situations where everyone knew who the number one pick was going to be. It was the Andrew Luck draft and so on and so forth. It was a Trevor Lawrence draft. It was, okay, everyone's going to be. We know who it's going to be. We want the guy from Louisiana Tech. Give me Terry Bradshaw. And for a brief moment after 
that pick was made, the Chicago Bears were thinking, okay, we, we're fine. We dodged a bullet because Terry Bradshaw took a little minute to get acclimated. But 1972 yeah, like happened. Two of the worst opening seasons yeah, in horrible, a quarterback ever, just career. Ever. Horrendous, yeah. right? And then all of a sudden, the Steelers started winning tons and massive amounts of games. And they have a dynasty in the 70s. And the Bears <laughs> were a coin flip away from changing the narrative of their franchise that has I've hung over them since the beginning of their entire existence. Still to this, jet, to this day, Jim McMahon is the guy, right? With the headband. He is the Wait, best who quarterback. Who's the guy? They Sid Luckman? Isn't that Sid the name Luckman. that Sid always Luckman. comes up? Is it, they, you know, nobody since Sid Luckman? Yeah. yeah. And so I believe Jay Cutler is the Bears career passing. Career leader. passing yardage leader, yeah. <laughs> And wow, that is rough. The Bears and the Steelers <laughs> both. And I think this changes the Steelers because I think the Steelers, when it comes to what are the Steelers known for, right? The Steelers are known for patience when it comes to head coaches, right? I don't know if that oh, Steelers tradition happens if it's not for the Terry Bradshaw dynasty. I don't think the Chuck Knoll situation happens the way the Chuck Knoll situation happens, mm. which means I don't think Bill Cower happens the way the Cower right. is going to happen, which means I don't think Mike Tomlin happens the way that. This is a fundamental identity shift for two franchises. And so for me, it all comes down. The fact that it's a coin flip means I yeah. had to pick this one because yeah. it's literally a coin flip. Oh, yeah, that's that's perfect. I will add, though, I do think the Bears probably would have benched Terry Bradshaw and Bradshaw yeah. would have never had his career go off the Might not have had Brad the Bradshaw, when he came back his third year, was surprised to learn he was the starter. Like, <laughs> oh, like, oh I didn't get benched? Yeah, that's how petty oh. is like. Wait, you're still you're still playing. You guys are gonna let me try again? Yeah. Oh, I mean, um, okay, I guess. Yeah, I mean, like you know, it's it's a very like he was like in the throes of depression and stuff like that. But like, yeah, he just like, shows up. And he's like, well, I have the job. That that is incredible. I'm not sure why, but okay. <laughs> but yes, I think the Bears probably would have benched him. I don't think we would have ever had a Terry Bradshaw, uh, which means you know the Vikings, of course, would have won a Super Bowl. Obviously, but. Obviously. <laughs> Um, so I've got, I've got two on my list here. I'll, I'll, I'll do the other one in the honorable mention. The other one is, uh, I think a more interesting player to game out, but this one has a bigger impact on NFL history and it's Greg cook, the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, never, never getting an injury, his rookie, at least just his rookie year. So 1969 AFL rookie of the year, he led the league in yards per attempt, passer rating, net yards per attempt, adjusted yards per attempt, and adjusted net yards per attempt. He was considered the next great quarterback, more than Joe Namath, by the way. He still holds the NFL records for yards per completion, and his yards per attempt record of 9.41 wasn't beaten until Kurt Warner in 2000. His shoulder injury, which he played through his rookie year to earn all of his accolades, deteriorated his rotator cuff so severely he essentially never played again. He had three passing attempts six years later. Uh, it's like when Dan Marino shocked the world uh, when he showed up to the scene. Uh, the fact that he had, that Greg Cook had a wonderful deep ball, was essential to the nature of their offense. The Bengals, after Greg Cook got injured, had to redesign their offense from the ground up in order to accommodate the weaker-armed Ken Anderson, creating an offense designed around short passes. The offensive coordinator for that Cincinnati Bengals team around the short passing game was Bill Walsh. We might never have had the West Coast offense that the Greg Cook injury. Wow. Really, Probably really. We wouldn't good have had one. Joe Montana. There's a reason Joe Montana went into the third round. 
Yeah. Because yeah, he, he couldn't run an NFL offense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really well done. I like that one. That's a sneaky one. All right, Alf, how do you close this out? All right, I had many, okay? And I could have gone a million different ways, but I, I decided to go the legal route since <laughs> since I already used, went the legal route in the already second one round. Already one court case here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're going to go another legal case. What if Matt Walsh, the Patriots video assistant, was actually a Dolphins, Bills, or Jets fan? When he meets with Roger Goodell, he turns over eight tapes. Turns up, yeah, he turns up the tapes. From 2000 to 2002, eight tapes that were just walkthroughs and one tape that had uh, video signals, uh, had uh, defensive signals from the opposing team, which happened to be the New York Jets. What if that, if Matt Walsh was actually a Bills, Dolphins, or Jets fan and he actually turned over everything he actually did have and didn't destroy it? At Bill Belichick's behest. Well, that last part is alleged, right? Alleged. 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 I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna go ahead and say I don't believe that they only had videotapes of eight practices from 2000 to 2002. Okay, I think it's something that they probably did every single game because Bill Belichick, in an interview with Roger Goodell. I actually read uh, most of the case last night because that was one of the ones I was thinking about putting up a little yeah. earlier. So I just kept it in the back burner and I used that as my fourth round pick. I like it. I like it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I was looking through the case and Bill Belichick actually admitted to Roger Goodell, we do this every single week. And that's why he was fined a record $500,000. If they like, have more evidence. If they have all the tapes. If they have all the tapes and Matt Walsh makes a big enough stink about it, does Bill Belichick get suspended for a year? And therefore, you do not have the second half of the Patriots dynasty. Ooh. Well, I mean, the I like second it. half is the better half, if we're being yes. honest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Yeah, because it's 2007 <laughs> on. So, yeah. 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 Let's like, yeah. yeah, let's be honest. That's wow. Oh, so you really? don't have, Sneaky one. You don't have yeah. three Belichick rings. You just have those first three, right? Yeah. But you don't have the next three. And, you know, with a harsher punishment comes a harsher pallor, right? Like, people are not going to view those first three the same, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That, that all of a sudden tints everything in, in the way yeah. they're approached. All right. Um. So we'll go through. We'll give everybody just a couple rapid-fire ones that they can go. RF, we'll, we'll start with you. Um. Just a handful that you didn't get to, to, to let off here that you considered drafting. All right, I'll I'll go with three. One, Scott Norwood doesn't miss. Two, <laughs> Minnesota Vikings never trade for Herschel Walker. There's no Emmett Smith or Darren Woodson in Dallas. That might mean they the Dallas could trade Michael Urban instead. That was the other person they were considering trading in order to get a bevy of picks. The Vikings have the picks, and of course, we all know that they would draft Emmett Smith in that scenario, and they would win the Super Bowl Obviously. naturally. Uh, the other one, my final one, is Burt Jones. He was behind Johnny Unitas for the first two years of his career. Jones exploded onto the scene in 1976, a year after he took control of the offense, produced some of the best race statistics we've ever seen in the history of the league. He led the league in adjusting the years per attempt. When you era adjust his production, only 2004 Peyton Manning, 1984 Dan Marino, 2011 Aaron Rodgers, and 2007 Tom Brady beat it. Fifth best passing season of all time after you adjust for era. Uh, it's, so not 89 Montana, 94 Young, 2013 Peyton Manning, anything like that. Nobody. 
Uh, he suffered a shoulder injury and never played the same again. Ernie Corsi called him the best quarterback he'd ever seen and thought he could become the greatest player of all time. Bill Belichick said that Burt Jones uh, was the best pure passer he had ever seen and almost put him on the NFL 100 team. Can you imagine a guy who had wow. only played one year of football on the NFL 100 team because Bill Belichick really liked the cut of his jib? That's how <laughs> good this dude was. And he got injured. Hmm. Really, really good. Bruce, what uh, what honorable mention do you want to throw out there? I was really excited to use Greg Cook. And then, <laughs> once again, oh! Oh! came in. <laughs> I guess I'll go with Diet Greg Cook. You know, Chad Pennington. You know, they had the same, hey, they had the same injury. Exact so. same injury. Yeah. yeah. No, okay, so um, I have a couple really rapid fire. What if the Texans weren't infatuated with Donta Robinson because the Bills tried to trade up in front of the Steelers to take Ben Roethlisberger and the Texans wouldn't move down? because they were obsessed with getting Dante Robinson, the cornerback. So that was great. What if the Bills took Russell Wilson instead of TJ Graham, because they thought oh. they could get Wilson in the fourth round. So they traded up and took TJ Graham instead. What if the Colts called John Elway's bluff and Ooh. said, now nah, we're not going to trade you. You can try it. Gail Sayers. What if Gail Sayers does not get hurt? Are we considering oh. the running back position fundamentally different than we did? He was arguably the greatest open field runner of all time. I think he could have changed fundamentally the way we view the running game early on in or much earlier in the in the NFL. Uh, what if Andy Reid goes to Arizona instead of uh, Bruce Arians in 2013? I had that one. Uh, you don't end up with Brett Veach. And because you don't end up with Brett Veach, you don't end up with Patrick Mahomes uh, getting where he was. Um, yeah, those are mine. I like it. I like that Andy Reid stays the same color, though. That works out really yes, well. Yes, he still gets to be big looks, red. Looks yeah. good in red. Looks good yeah. in red. Alpha, what other ones did you have that didn't quite make the list? Well, one NFL one that I had was, what if the Chargers just tell Eli Manning no? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> if they if they say no, uh, they, 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 you know, because I think they were probably correct. They correct. They probably destroy his career. Uh, <laughs> Drew Brees gets Drew traded Brees somewhere over. else. <laughs> What happens to Philip Rivers? What happens with the rest of that first round? So it's there's a pretty nice Buffalo. I mean, there's a pretty nice uh, butterfly effect that breaks down past that one. The I rest think of Philip Rivers gets a ring. I think that's what happens. Yeah, the rest of them are all dolphin ones. What if they don't take Jake Long and they take Matt Ryan? Jake Long was a fabulous left tackle, but his body fell apart in two years. Uh, the two thousand. This is one of my favorites, by the way. This is two thousand two. The Miami Dolphins have a top three defense. They have the best running game in football. Trent Green is available. Dave Wanstead is asked, why aren't you going after Trent Green, who had just thrown for 4,000 yards, was, was a Pro Bowl quarterback. And his response was, and I have the quote right here, what can Trent Green do that Jay Fiedler can't? Oh, God, that hurts. Okay, so, okay, so that's, an off, that's an awful one, all right? Uh, here's another Dolphin one. Uh, we're talking about 1995. It's the divisional round. Dan Marino drives the team inside of 35 seconds to set up a 47-yard field goal for Pete Stojanovic in perfect weather. Completely shanks it. He makes that one. They go to the AFC Championship game against the Steelers. I think they win. Uh, Do you? I, yeah, I think they beat the Steelers that year. That was not a good Steelers team that year. With Neil O'Donnell, yeah, no. Yeah, Dolphins fair. beat yeah. them that year. Yeah. Uh, here's another one. And this one has actually Minnesota in here. Uh, 2002, the Dolphins beat the Raiders with two games to go. They had the number one overall seed in the AFC. They played Minnesota on the road. They lose a heartbreaker to Dante Culpepper and Randy Moss. 
The following week, they play the Patriots. They are up 24-13 with four minutes left. Tom Brady leads a comeback capped by a 47-yard pass interference penalty that sets up the tying field goal to send it into overtime. Dolphins lose. They lose the division. They're out of the playoffs. They went from the one seed to out of the playoffs inside of two weeks. Another one, uh, a lot of Dolphin failure right here in, in my uh, in my <laughs> dissertation here. Uh, 1986 AFC all, uh, AFC title game. Why? What if it does not rain that day? If it doesn't rain that day, the Dolphins don't turn it over with four fumbles, two interceptions, six turnovers against the Patriots. They maybe beat the Patriots if there's perfect weather. And then they play the Bears, who they had smoked earlier that season. They're and only maybe lost. they win a Super Bowl. They're only lost that season for the NFL okay. Bears. And I think uh, there's a few more, but those are my biggest ones. Of I course, like I had Drew Brees and, and yeah. Dante yeah. Culpepper. That was that was on my, my actual <sighs> draft board. So uh, it, we touched on a ton of ones that I had. Um, you know, some more recent ones. What if – they call the pass interference on Nicole Ro- uh, Roby Coleman, um, and that it ends up being a Breeze uh, Brady Super Bowl there, and it's, it's Saints against the the Patriots. Um, a couple I want to give a shout out to Chris Janke again sent me a really good list. You guys grabbed a ton of his draft board. Um, he also had uh, what if the Browns take Josh Allen number one when that was coming oh, yeah. through there that I mean that wasn't even that crazy that was what people kind of thought was going to happen until the day of the draft it flips to yeah. Baker Mayfield the day before um you know what if Jerry Jones and Jimmy Johnson get along like what if Jerry didn't need all the credit and you just let Jimmy continue to like swindle teams <laughs> and have understand draft trades better than other franchises for a couple more years uh what if you allowed that to go and again i didn't select it because i was going to close with it but i do you know as a homer here uh, uh one other that bruce didn't reference in the draft one that sticks with me what if we don't pick terrell troop and we pick like hometown boy rob gronkowski Wrong. like out of like it was the next pick and we take terrell troop a nose tackle with the back problem but whatever whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, rob gronkowski had a back problem you couldn't pick him you correct, had to take correct. we we also obviously you can't you pick a to take with, a, <laughs> with, with a back problem we you know god the bills are oh. cool picking tight ends with back problems apparently yeah. we just we, we just did it we just waited way too long to do it yeah we just waited a long time to finally get over it um so the one that i, I didn't select in the draft but i was going to close with here was what if Scott Norwood makes the kick? What if the Bills win that first Super Bowl? Um, you know, on the one side of it, does does it become a dynastic run? I, I don't know that it does. I think the NFC was pretty stacked there and that it was going to be tough for a couple of those. Does Marv Levy retire? Marv Levy's, you know, up there quite a bit at that time. And and I just think there's a, so many other things that could change having that one there. If that, that happens, does Bill Belichick become the coach of the Browns? Yeah, because that was kind of his masterpiece, and it, yeah. it, it was. And, you know, a 14-point uh, underdog in that game. The Bills had just slaughtered the, the Los Angeles Raiders in the AFC Championship game, came in, you know, high and mighty, ready to roll. Does all of those different pieces, does yeah. Marv Levy stay there? Does Belichick get his opportunity, or does he stay as Parcells' right-hand guy for, for that much longer? Um, but obviously the biggest one for many of the folks listening uh, for the show here today. 
So as we close out here, uh, this was just as much fun as I was hoping it would be. You guys exceeded all expectations uh, with what you presented here. I hope people had fun with this. Um, I think a lot of people are going to enjoy listening to it, um, but re really, really fun. Uh, as we kind of go around here, uh, let the people know what you have coming up, where they can find more of your work. Elf, we'll start with you. Uh, yeah, if you want to listen to my podcast, it's Dolphin-centric, but uh, during draft season, we're very intensive on the draft and – Pretty much you can listen to us. You don't have to be a Dolphin fan to listen to us on the draft. So we, we do almost two straight months on the draft, beginning when the season ends, right through draft day. You can find all our work anywhere you get your podcasts, and it's the number three yards per carry. You want to follow us on Twitter? It's the same. It's at three yards per carry. You can see it right there right next to my name. Awesome. Arif, how about you? Yeah. Um, so uh, my social, like uh, like with Elf, next to my name, at Arivas on NFL, uh, I'm writing – both Vikings content over at Pro Football Network as well as national NFL content. I just uh, went over a bunch of trades that had occurred in the last year and a half of the NFL, like the Bradley Chubb trade and uh, some like signings that operated like trade, like the Orlando Brown signing, and and uh, and just kind of revisiting that, see if you know people who won or lost, whether or not the Kadarius Tony trade was worth it. Because hey, mm. the Super Bowl was pretty good, but he's not a really a good player. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so so you know we uh, went over that a little bit, and then also um, you know I did some. Uh, a, a tiny little bit of math modeling to see if it's okay to have elite tackles and poor guards or whether you'd rather just have a completely average offensive line. So I uh, went over some, uh, some modeling there uh, over at a uh, pro football network, but yeah, I, just look for that. To, for completely unrelated reasons from the 2023 Buffalo bills. I'm going to need to read that article <laughs> about, is it a good thing to just have a completely average offensive line and not have just a horrendous hole at one of the spots? So completely unrelated to that, I'm going to need to read Yeah, no, sure. I understand. <laughs> Bruce, how about you, man? If for some reason you've listened to this and thought, gosh, I need more of that guy, you can find me on social media at Bruce Exclusive. I'm on the tweet machine. I'm on the threads. And Instagram's mostly just food and dogs. So I guess that's probably the, my best content. Okay. Um, but First off, Arif and Alf, it was wonderful to meet you guys. Thank you so much for being a part of this. Thank you for joining us for this. Uh, Greg, thanks for having me, and uh, and I'm out. Awesome. Thank you guys very, very much. The chat was fun. Again, shout out to Chris Janke um, for, for the research that he did. Uh, appreciate everything from our producers, Chris Seth and, and Lauren O'Brien. Uh, but on behalf of Alf, Arif, uh, Bruce, you've been listening to the Greg Thompson Sports Show, and we are out.